August 24th, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 29 through 58. If the dead will not be raised, then what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it, unless the dead will someday rise again? And why should we ourselves be continually risking our lives, facing death hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those men of Ephesus, if there will be no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection, let's feast and get drunk, for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for to your shame I say that some of you don't even know God. But someone may ask, How will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question! When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a dry little seed of wheat or whatever it is you're planting. Then God gives it a new body, just the kind He wants it to have. A different kind of plant grows from each kind of seed. And just as there are different kinds of seeds and plants, so also there are different kinds of flesh, whether of humans, animals, birds, or fish. There are bodies in the heavens, and there are bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the beauty of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their beauty and brightness. It is the same way for the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies, which die and decay, will be different when they are resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now disappoint us, but when they are raised, they will be full of glory. They are weak now, but when they are raised, they will be full of power. They are natural human bodies now, but when they are raised, they will be spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. The Scriptures tell us, The first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What came first was the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Every human being has an earthly body, just like Adam's. But our heavenly bodies will be just like Christ's. Just as we are now like Adam, the man of the earth, so we will someday be like Christ, the man from heaven. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These perishable bodies of ours are not able to live forever. But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, 
in the blinking of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies. And then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. For our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die. When this happens, when our perishable earthly bodies have been transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die, then at last the scriptures will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. How we thank God who gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. I just think people are longing for something that's real, with a capital R. For something that's good and right. For something that matters. I mean, really matters. Don't we, don't we want at least an hour or two in our week when we come aside and we see the one who's real and right and altogether good. Where we gaze on the one whose greatness and glory puts all the pettiness into perspective. Don't we want to come aside at some point in the week not to see more of the same that we can get everywhere else in a world of wickedness and evil? Don't our souls long to see a glimpse of the God whose righteousness and justice will ultimately reign? In a world where people inevitably let us down, don't we long to see the God whose love will never let us go? In a world of turmoil and uncertainty everywhere, don't we long to see the God whose sovereign hand is always sure? In a world where we are so tempted, every one of us, to run every day after temporary pleasures, don't we need to see the eternal treasure that's found in a God whose pleasures will never, ever, ever fade? Church, we want God. We want to glorify God more than we even want to appease or entertain or center around ourselves. Just think about it. I was thinking about it as we were singing. Like, we live in a world where every day, Everything is shouting to us, self is God, self is God, self is God. It's what shout, just every day we're inundated. Everything around us permeated. People spending billions of dollars to focus our lives on ourselves. And if we're not careful, we'll create a whole church, church culture where we gather together every Sunday and say the same thing. Self is God, self is God, self is God. I heard on this radio this morning, supposedly Christian teaching that was promising prosperity in this world if you follow God. And I just thought, we, we've just made God a means to an end. God is the way to get more stuff for us. We've created a whole church culture that revolves around us, around worldly things we want, around the comforts we cling to, around the songs we prefer, around the sermons that suit our taste. When somewhere at some point, we all desperately need to hear, you're not God, you're not God, you're not God. It's not about you, it's about him. And, and follow this and to see satisfaction is not found in centering around ourselves. To realize, that's what the world tells us, is not true. We need to realize the deepest satisfaction of our soul is found in centering on God. That vision for God is what brings satisfaction to our soul. So God is not a means to an end. God is the end. Psalm 39, verses 1 through 13. We'll read about God's silence to David. 
David had sinned, and God was correcting him. See, chastening is a sign of God's love. To submit to His will and let Him have His way is a wise thing. God had been silent to David, and that had David worried. Was he going to die? And we'll read more about David's silence to God. David was silent before the Lord and did not argue with Him. David accepted God's will and submitted meekly. He prayed that God would forgive him and help him, and God answered in His mercy. And we'll read about David's silence before the wicked. When wicked men came to visit him in his sickness, David tried to be silent before them, but he finally had to speak and remind himself and them that man was frail and life was short. Life is only a hand-breadth long, a vapor that comes and goes, and a mere shadow. We are strangers and sojourners, and the journey is not a long one. Why gather riches when you cannot take them with you when you go? Silence sometimes is louder than speech. It is a wise person who knows when to speak and when to be silent. Psalm 39, verses 1-13 through 13. For Jeduthun, the choir director, a psalm of David. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will curb my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew to the bursting point. My thoughts grew hot within me and began to burn, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion, for even fools mock me when I rebel. I am silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. Please don't punish me any more. I am exhausted by the blows from your hand. When you discipline people for their sins, their lives can be crushed like the life of a moth. Human existence is as frail as breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cries for help. Don't ignore my tears, for I am your guest, a traveler passing through, as my ancestors were before me. Spare me, so I can smile again, before I am gone and exist no more. Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31. Human plans, no matter how wise or well-advised, cannot stand against the Lord. The horses are prepared for battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord.